thank we thank God for this evening for another session. If if you can hear me, let me let me let me see you. If you can hear me, let me see you. If you can hear me, let me see you. If you can hear me, let me see you. If you can hear me, if you can hear me, let me see you wherever you are. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Please can you can you hear me? Can you hear me? Please can you can you hear me? Okay. So we thank God this evening for another session in the presence of the Lord. We want to even as the man of God takes over, you are praying to God that may the Lord have his way this evening. May we experience the fullness of his spirit. May he enlighten us even in the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice and begin to pray. You are telling God that, Father, teach my heart this evening. Expose my heart to your purpose, to your assignment in life. Even in the name of Jesus, begin to pray. Right now, lift up your voice and begin to pray. Have your way this evening. 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 Shada gada bala bala basha. Regada bala bala basha. Gada bala bala basha. Gada bala bala. Gada bala basha. Gada bala bala. Have your way this evening. Lift up your voice wherever you are. By telling God, the Father, have your way. Have your way. Teach my spirit. Lift up your voice in prayer. Lift up your voice in prayer. Have your way Have your way Lift up your voice, lift up your voice, lift up your voice, lift up your voice in prayer. Holy Spirit, expose our hearts to Holy Spirit, expose our hearts Holy Spirit, expose our hearts In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We want to thank God 
Father, we thank you for the release of your spirit this evening. We thank you, Lord, that your word is perfected in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, amen. If you are there, let me let me see you. If you are there, let me see you. I want you to register your presence with us. If you are there, let's see you. If you are there, let's see you. Glory to Jesus. 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 Oh, if you are there, let me see you. Let me see you. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. In the morning, it was a super glorious. If you were in the, if you were there in the morning, let me see you. If you're able to join us in the morning session let, let me see say i was there some i was there some <laughs> the lord exposed our heart to a whole lot of things we learned a lot about how yeah yeah hey apostle you are welcome i have not seen you before <laughs> god bless you for coming it's going to be very powerful it was so powerful so within the next one minute i want you to share with us what you learned you can call in and share with us what you learned. Yeah, you can call in anything that you learned that you can share. You can share with us. What did you learn in the morning? This is a school. <laughs> we are in a school. So Friday we'll write a test. <laughs> so what did you learn in the morning? God's eternal purpose. What's, what special thing did you pick up? What special thing did you pick up during the service in the morning yeah so you can call in and say it we, we are doing this within just one minute the man of god will be taken over very soon what did you learn oh so no one learned anything this is serious please what did you learn what did you learn i know if you if you say we are typing it will take long that's why i said you can call in and share yes what did you learn or well, i should mention names what did you learn? What did you learn? What did you learn? He spoke a lot about the eternal purpose of God. He spoke about the, the good pleasure of the purpose of God. He spoke about the mystery of the purpose. He spoke about the counsel. He spoke about a whole lot of stuff. The purpose of God is actually the supreme interest. And it was so many things that he expounded for us to understand. Oh, what did you hear? Anything that you learned, anything special that God laid on your heart? Oh, please don't do this. Oh. So no one learned anything. This is serious. This is serious. Wow. Anyway, if no one learned anything, that one too is fine. Uh, we thank God that no one learned anything. Yeah, but um, this evening to we'll have another session. We'll be going to the the second episode. We are going deeper into the case. This evening we are going to we are going to talk about. This evening we are going to talk about so many special topics and he's going to handle certain sensitive things that people have issues with yeah he's going to talk about the place of man in the divine scheme of god somebody say the place of man the place of man 
what is the place what role is man supposed to do about what why should god even create man or think of man why should god even think of man yeah so what is the place of man in all the things that god is doing in all this eternal purpose or the supreme interest what is the place of man so we are going to talk about that then we are going to also talk about the redemptive purpose in the morning he mentioned two purposes what are the two purposes what are the two purposes who can who can help us what are the two purposes what are the two purposes oh who 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 remember what are the two purposes okay so he mentioned the creative purpose and we have the redemptive purpose and he said the creative purpose what was the creative purpose what was the creative purpose what of the creative purpose when we say creative purpose what was it redemptive purpose what was it i remember him he made a clear extension on that i remember he mentioned creative purpose has to deal with the the releasing to express the life of god yeah powerful that is five marks yeah so priscilla is having five marks solomon five marks <laughs> then what about the redemptive purpose what is the redemptive purpose who can help us what is the redemptive purpose yeah the redemptive purpose was also talking about salvation powerful so that's that's so powerful yeah so today he's going to talk about the redemptive purpose and how the place of adam the place of man and the restoration and even the aspect of maturity tonight is a night that you cannot miss so i want you to get prepared as we navigate through the processes of the eternal purpose if you are ready somebody say i am ready you already say i am ready the man of god is ready with us oh can you can you celebrate the man of god somebody say oh say something god bless you <coughs> let's welcome the man of god let's work yeah you can hear the voice let's welcome the man of god oh let's give anna to the one anna is due it takes a lot of sacrifices and learning you will not learn somebody will go and learn and come and teach you yeah let's welcome the man of god it's very important very important god bless you so much for coming mr daniel yeah dean of efficiency today dear i don't know whether efficiency will come today i'm sure efficiency will surely come <laughs> this man can never preach without quoting efficient yeah god bless you for coming yeah so mr daniel please are, are, are we ready for that <laughs> Yeah, we are ready to receive the word. We are ready. Somebody say, I am ready. I am ready. Pick your notes, pick your pens, pick your notepads, and get ready for action. Yeah, get ready for action. Get ready for action. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want you to stay in the spirit as the teaching is ongoing. Be praying along. And let God take over. Let God take over. Let God take over. Let God take over. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, Mr. Daniel.
Glory to Jesus. You will join us very soon. We are just putting some things together. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, so let me give you a very short recap on what we did in the morning. So in the morning, he touched. Actually, this is a series. <laughs> if, if you miss one session, you will find it very difficult to understand the next session. So I, don't, I, will, I will love you to pay attention and follow. It is, you see, the, the theme for the, the camp meeting is the comprehensive trajectory of redemption. So we are taking you through the various stages, the various flow, how the whole thing began and how it has ended. I hope you are getting it. So I want you to pay attention to each session and get the communication that is being made. Very, very important. Very, very important. So he started by explaining what the eternal purpose of God, the place of God, the nature of God, and how the love of God played a role, the place of Christ. And there was one thing that he made mention that is so profound. I want us to take note. I hope you can hear me. Yeah, he mentioned the fact that the whole thing about God is that man will be found in Christ. So, can, can, are we there? Are we there? Are we there? Okay, so, he said that man will be found in Christ. If you don't give us the feedback, we will not know if you are communicating, I beg you, try and let's keep in touch. Hallelujah. So he mentioned that the whole idea about God is that man, God will find a vessel of expression. A vessel of expression. And in that man will be found in Christ. And today we are going to go deeper into man. So the popular question will come, what is man? <laughs> Ask your neighbor, what at all is man? Uh, it's, I don't know if to say who is man is, is, is correct in English, but wrong in the Bible. <laughs> so I don't know, to say who is man is a problem. <clears throat> so we have to use the word, what is man? What is man? So today we are going to explain man. <laughs> we are going to explain man. I want you to ask your neighbor, what is man? What is man? What is man? <laughs> Look at your neighbor and tell the neighbor. So you cry, what, what at all is man? What is man? Glory to Jesus. Yeah, amen, amen, amen. And we touched on many, many things. You talked about the fact that the divine economy underpins everything that God has ever done since, since the world began. How that the triumph goal seeks for a body of expression where his, his love and his life, which is his dominion, will be communicated to all of creation and then that body he sold that vessel he sold is is consummated in in the 
body of a son. That is to say that Christ, as the Son of God, is the embodiment of the desire of God. That is to say that all that God wishes, the kind of man, the kind of entity, the kind of vessel that God seeks after is actually after the pattern of the Son of God. And so the divine plan is that God will seek for a body, an instrument of his expression, whose image is like unto the Son of God. So we read scriptures like Romans 8, 28 and 29. We read scriptures like Ephesians chapter 1 and 5. We have where we have been predestinated unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Hallelujah. We also talked about how the desire of God or the eternal purpose of God, which he purposed in Jesus Christ, according to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, is revealed in the three manifold wills of God, which is the mystery of his will which we also talked about the good pleasure of his will. We also talked about the counsel of his will. The Bible says that in Perineas abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence. I didn't get time to explain that. Realize that the wisdom and prudence corresponds to the counsel of his will. Wisdom is, in, is that which is in God to plan. Prudence is that which is in God to implement. So God had been planning and God has been executing his plan since time began. And I made the point that God's plan cannot be derailed. What God wishes actually becomes a command which must come to pass. Hallelujah. God can never be. God can never say, ah, this my plan never come, came to pass. I planned to do this, but I couldn't. Bible says that in Isaiah chapter, I think chapter 45, Bible says that the word of God goes forth. And it doesn't return unto God void, but it accomplishes whatsoever purpose He sent it to do. Hallelujah. So it is important for us to come into an apprehension of some of these things. This evening, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to continue. So we looked at the creative, the creative purpose of God. I mentioned that the eternal purpose of God is actually in two folds. We have the creative purpose of God, which is actually the original pattern. This, that is actually the original pattern, the original plan, the architectural design by which God would pursue his dream. Hallelujah. That is the creative pattern which spoke of God flowing into, into, into his creation, God flowing into, into mankind for us to enjoy his life. That was the creative purpose. Realize that Bible said that God made two trees in the garden. Both were good for food. Eternal life is food for our enjoyment. God wants to be processed, brought down for our enjoyment. And that is the eternal dream that we will drink into his waters, that we, shall, we, we are filled by the abundance of his house, that we, are, we would usher into the divine God. The marriage supper of the Lamb is not just for us to eat and drink and serve this wedding. It is a call of the bride of God. Where the bride of God is joined unto God as one, such that in the beginning of Revelations, Bible says that the Spirit, Jesus said that he that that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Meaning, at that point, the Spirit and the church had two different, I mean, two different voices. The Spirit spoke, and the church must hear. But at the end of the age, in Revelation chapter twenty-two, Bible says that now. And the spirit and the bride say come the church had grown to become the bride of god said that the voice of the spirit and the voice of 
the church has become one and the spirit and the bride come that is the dream of god where god will declare that and the tabernacle of god is with men and he shall dwell with them forever that is god's dream that is god's eternal plan and i mentioned that god seeks for a place of his rest i didn't add this detail that in the in the book of second chronicles chapter 22 when solomon was dedicating the temple i think first chronicles or second chronicles bible says that he said something he said that the heavens even the heavens of heavens cannot contain the heart of this temple see bible god says that heaven is my throne the earth is my that the place that god found his rest is in the chambers of our hearts where he becomes the fountain of life within us says that when jesus met the woman at the well says that i have water that i can give you and he, he that shall drink of that water it will become in him a fountain springing up into eternal life for they that believeth on me as the scripture has said out of their belly shall flow rivers of living waters this speak he of the holy ghost hallelujah the fountain of life the the reality of the reality of life in the heart of man in the heart of his creation is god's eternal plan but that life has been put in one man called jesus christ that's not the son hath not the life we talked about the creative purpose of god i want us to talk about the redemptive purpose of god what is the redemptive purpose of god but we cannot talk about the redemptive purpose of god until we learn something small about man man if you are ready say hallelujah i want us to talk about the purpose of man i want us to talk about the purpose of man where man stands in the divine scheme of things where is the what is the appointment of man in the divine affairs where does man stand who do we even refer to when we say man hallelujah now you remember that in genesis chapter 1 verse 26 there is the first mention of man he said that let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion so man was created for dominion hallelujah man was created for dominion man was created for dominion bible says that so god made man in his image in the image of god created he him male and female You come to the next verse into his nostrils of the dust of the earth and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul hallelujah in biblical christianism you realize that that is not the only place where the creation of man was mentioned so we would find some time and read other places where man was the creation of man was mentioned now you must understand that man as an entity is a unique creation of all the creation of god it is man that has the most unique special creation the special designation hallelujah 
there are forms of life that we created in Genesis. You have the plant life, you have the animal life, and then you have the human life. By implication, you realize that human life was the highest form of life that was created in the book of Genesis, in the creation story. It was only man that was made in the image of God. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? To be made in the image of Is to be able to carry the unique presence of God. Man was able to carry the dominion, the dominion mandate of God. Was made the feet, hallelujah, in the earth through all in all. That the plans of seems to have been intercepted by the actions of the evil one. He deceived man and brought him under bondage by exchanging his dominion for his slavery. Man is a unique entity. The desire of the ages and everything that has ever happened on this earth, it seems as though the two powers, that is the power of God and the kingdom of Satan, has always struggled. There's been an eternal struggle, an eternal struggle to win the heart of man. Which means man is very central to the operations of God as well as the devil. Hallelujah. No other part of creation has this ability to represent God. That is why Satan strives so much, demons strive so much to, to win the heart of men so that they may become a puppet of demonic manifestation. When a man yields himself to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God animates that man and uses him as a kingdom tool to extend his rulership on earth. Man has become very central to the operations of God. Man has become more like let me use this example and a, a very um, unique illustration that when you have a glove and you put your hand inside, how God made man was like a glove that only he himself can fill it. So the real hand that can fill the glove is the spirit of God himself, the life of God himself. Man is just the vessel, man is just the, the, the latex that forms the shape of the of the of the globe of the globe so whatever content that enters man takes the expression the the command or, or the form of that of, of its content man is just a vessel it is the content that is important god created man and gave him dominion but then he left a space within his heart that only he can fail man is very central to 
the operations of God. And we must take note from that. Now, something happened to her. Like I said, we all know the story. I don't want to go over, over it. Man fell from grace. Man fell from the glory of God. Bible says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. For by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So from the time of Adam's fall, when God declared that in the day ye eat of the fruit, in dying ye shall die. The word was not really in you shall surely die. The rendition should be in dying you shall die. You realize that man didn't immediately die when he ate of the fruit. He was still alive. Actually, Adam lived 930 years before he died. But we know that once he was sacked out of Eden from the presence of the Lord, that was his death. When I was preparing for this message, the Lord showed me something that in Genesis chapter 3, man was sacked out of the garden. Genesis chapter 4, Cain kills Abel. In Genesis chapter 5, there is a history of men that lived and died physically in Adam's time. So there was a, there was a spiritual death, a sucking out of the garden. There was a solical death where man began to think evil, murder, theft, envy. Those are sicknesses of the soul. And in chapter 5, finally, the sin had traveled so deep into man that it now appeared physical. Man, men began to die. In chapter 6, God decided to wipe off the whole creation. Man had fallen. The creative purpose of God was emotion. But then there seemed to be a derailing of the purpose. The redemptive purpose of God seeks to restore man back to the original pattern. The redemptive purpose of God that we hope to be able to cover tonight is ascending back to back of man to that original pattern of God that he may continue in that original purpose. That is the whole scheme of the redemptive purpose. Hallelujah. That is the whole theme. That is the whole theme of the redemptive purpose. The redemptive purpose seeks to restore man back to the pattern of God before he fell. Now, in Psalm 8, in the, in the in the nocturnal meditations of the psalmist he asks a very simple question but a very very deep question he says that oh lord our lord how excellent is thy name in all the earth who has set thy glory out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Then he begins, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. That's right, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hand. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the earth, 
and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the path of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. David contemplated on the importance of man such that he began to meditate in the night. This scripture is believed to have been written in the night when he mentioned the moon and the stars. The Bible says, um, biblical scholars think that or believe that David was outside observing the heavens and he, he prophetically saw the moon and the stars and all the galaxies and he began to wonder why man, as feeble as man is, as insignificant man is, God has given him so much dominion. Bible says that he said that thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Him a little lower than the angels and have crowned him with glory and honor. Hallelujah. Now, the man that David described, the man that David described, you see, in the Bible, God makes a category of men. Not all men are the same. Not all men are the, are the same in the Bible. Let me highlight the three that you already know. We have the natural man in first Corinthians chapter 3. Bible talks of the natural man. Chapter 2 and chapter 3 talks of the natural man. Another kind of man we have the carnal man. And another one we have the spiritual man. That is not the category I'm really referring to. You see, in the Bible, when you read the Bible very well, you realize that there is a man spoken of in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. There is a man spoken of in Psalm 8. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 you see there is a man that was created before the fall central in order to but man have I'm trying to um, Hallelujah. I'm trying to work on it. Um, I'm so sorry for the interruptions of my network. 
Ram. Okay, you let's continue. Being compared with the universe, a man that is being compared with the with the angels, say that you have made him a little lower than angels. You see, God is looking for a certain Hallelujah. You see, man is a cosmic being with universal interests. With his spirit, he touches the realm of God. With his soul, he has consciousness with himself. With his body, he touches the realm of the earth. Man is the only entity that has that capacity to enter every realm of God. He has the capacity to inhabit, to accommodate divinity. Man has become central, the center of God's universe. Man has become a being with cosmic interest. That is why Satan and God struggle over this kind of man. You see, what is this man? God was looking for, or God's heart has is always after that kind of man who fulfills the mandate of Adam that have dominion over the fishes of the sea, have dominion over the birds of the air, have dominion over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, subdue the earth and replenish it, and replenish it. God gave a criteria concerning the kind of man he wanted, but Adam realize i mean we realize that adam could not meet that standard because he fell now david describes a man and says that what is man that thou art mindful of or the son of man that thou visitest him he was describing the kind of man what is that man you know the inspired apostle in hebrews chapter 2 came and gave us a clue as to which man that as to which man that fulfills the dream of God and he gave us a clue let's go to Hebrews chapter 2 let's follow carefully I'm, I'm struggling with my network but God is faithful in Hebrews chapter 2 chapter 2 verse 5 he says that for Unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof he speak. But in one, in a certain place testify, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou makest him a little lower than the angels, thou crownest him with glory and honor, 
and did set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. Nine. But we see Jesus. But we see Jesus. But we see Jesus. But we see Jesus. Jesus has become that man that God is after. You know, David thought he was singing a song unto God that actually was prophesying of the man that was to come. Bible says that in Acts 2.22, says that this Jesus Christ was a man, a man approved of God. In Timothy, Bible says that for there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. He is that perfect man that God has been looking for. He is that which fulfills the purpose of God, the purposes of God. When Jesus Christ came on the earth, he came to live as a man. He did everything as a representative man. He conquered death as a representative man. He resurrected as a representative man. Everything that he did, he did into the account as man, thereby fulfilling that eternal purpose that Adam failed to realize for God. His function of bringing many sons into glory. Thank you so much. First Timothy 2 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. And this is what he did. For it became him, that is Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth, that is Jesus, and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. He is the one that fulfilled the eternal purpose of God. He is the one that was able to stand as a man and stand in a gap. Became the body of his expression. Bible says that no man has seen God at any time. The son who is in the bosom of the father, he hath declared him. The son became the appointed heir of all things. He is the son by divine appointment. He is the heir of all things. And he became the man that fully expresses God. He became the effulgence of his glory and the express image of his person. He is that man. God seeks for a man that would bear all the attributes of divinity. And thanks be unto God that Jesus fulfills this category that man um, that man failed to achieve. He fulfilled all the failings of the first Adam, and he came to do what Adam, the first Adam, couldn't do. Hallelujah. So the purpose of God was that the purpose of of man in creation was that man would become a vessel through which God will express his life his glory, his radiance. That is the purpose of, of man. Man is not created to worship God. That notion is not full. I'm not saying it is wrong, but it is not full in expression. God had many angels worshipping him, yet still he chose to create man. God doesn't feed on our worship in order to be God. God chose man because he wanted a vessel of expression. He wanted to express his love, his power, his grace, his fellowship. And so, the coming of Christ 
was to achieve the dream of God in bringing a body unto God. Now, the redemptive purpose of God came such that when Christ became the man who fulfills God's dream, he didn't stop there. He went on to fulfill the redemptive purposes of God. Now, the person and the work of Jesus must not be delineated from him being the perfect man. He being the perfect man, his person as him being the perfect man and his work as him fulfilling the work of God, as him fulfilling the eternal purposes of God must not be separated. The work and the person of Jesus Christ will go hand in hand. Now, before I begin, you realize that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. There is a revelation of the person of God and there is a revelation of the work of God. Now, when Adam fell, there was a need for somebody to stand in the gap and restore man back to the original pattern, like I've already explained. And so God began to roll out certain plans. The purpose of God was never tainted. The purpose of God was never derailed. But God had to seek for backup. He said, no, this is the plan that I have chosen for man. But then man had derailed for reasons that are clear in scripture. And so God began to have, I mean, the Godhead had a meeting. The father planned it and the son said i will go and become that perfect man that adam failed to be and so the redemptive purpose of god was born and that brings us to the subject of the dead and the resurrection of jesus christ that is the redemptive purpose of god i know we are in the easter season so um, this subject will come as a welcome subject let's not forget about the divine economy the fact that the son is the embodiment of the life the Father is the source of that life, and the Spirit becomes the communication, the distribution, and the realization of that life. Hallelujah. Now, why the, why the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Somebody will ask, why did Jesus Christ had to come and die? Number one, so that we might be saved. We know that already. Number two, it is because the drama of redemption was to explain to man, was to explain to the whole universe that man is a universal being with cosmic interest, that he is so important that it must take God's initiative to restore him back to the original pattern in order that the purposes of God shall be fulfilled. The death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ brings us into an experience of the life and the power of God. The death of Jesus Christ is that which redeemed us from the powers of sin. The death of and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that which brought us back to the original plan. 
now jesus when he came on earth in his passion in his earthly ministry he knew right from the beginning what his assignment was so mostly it's 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 us that do not know what we ought to do on this earth then we have to pray and seek the, the lord's will but jesus christ came and stuck to the scriptures of old and learned how he was supposed to save man by reading the old testament scriptures now the death of jesus christ was on on this wise we we ought to investigate the nature of his death christ was supposed to come and die what was the nature of his death why did he have to die you realize that when man sinned and god declared that sentence of death upon him jesus had to come and undo the workings of the first adam you see the work of satan in adam cannot be compared to the work of god in christ that is to say that the work of god in christ is far greater than the work of satan in adam bible says that for he by the grace of god should taste death for every man he died so that he might destroy him that hath the power of death that is the devil in Christ bringing us back to the original plan through the redemption of in, in, in him through the redemption he first had to die why did he have to die because there was a death sentence upon every man there was a death sentence upon the whole realm of creation there was a death sentence upon every man that was found in the first Adam Now, the nature of Jesus' death, the first point I want to make is that it was physical. The death of Jesus Christ was physical. First and foremost, he died. They, they, they murdered the, the, the guy. They beat him. They, they stripped him. They gave him stripes on the back till his flesh began to peel off. He was beaten. He was, he was disgraced physically right here on earth. He was beaten to the to the point he had what is called hypovolemic shock. He had lost so much blood that he went into shock. They took him, they crucified him, they put nails in his wrists and in, in his legs and they hung him on a cross for three hours before he gave up the ghost. In Luke chapter 23 verse 46, it is very physical, I'll explain why his death being physical is so is so central and so important Luke chapter 23 verse 46 Bible says that and when he had and when Jesus had cried with a loud voice he said father into thy hands I commend my spirit and having said thus he gave up the ghost Acts chapter 2 verse 22 Acts chapter 2 verse 22 ye men of israel hear these words jesus of nazareth a man approved of god among you by miracles and wonders and signs which god did by him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know verse 23 him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of god he have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain Acts chapter 7 verse 52 stephen called them murderers they murdered they murdered the lord they murdered the lord they murdered the lord 
it was physical. Now, the reason why it must be physical is because without a physical death, there can be no physical resurrection. Without physical death, Jesus first had to die physically. It is important that we note that he died physically so that resurrection can be possible. In Luke chapter 24, verse 25, when the disciples met him on the road to Emmaus and they were contemplating that which had happened in Jerusalem three days before, he said that, Oh fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have said. Ought not Christ to have died and or to have suffered and enter into his glory? Jesus knew that the only way to glory was by suffering. Was by suffering. Like I was preaching in the morning, I don't know whether I quoted that scripture in First Peter chapter 1, verse 9. Somewhere around 11, it says that searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that was to follow. It says that when he saw the joy that was set before him, endured the cross despising the shame. He had to endure the cross physically. Endure the cross physically. Now, when we talk about the death of Jesus Christ, we also speak of our co-union with him in death. I'll come to that point very soon. But then the cross represents death. Whenever you read the, the scriptures and you see the cross, you must think of death. Realize that in the Old Testament, in the, in the, in the, in the temple that Solomon built, when you enter the outer court, the first thing you meet is the altar of sacrifice. That was representative of the cross of Christ. That was the altar where the lamb was slain and his blood was spilled around the altar and his body was bent. That was the altar of sacrifice. Jesus Christ was the sacrificial lamb. John saw him and said that, Behold the lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. So his, his death was important. Now, realize that Peter said that he was delivered unto the Jews by the predeterminate counsel of God. How was that possible? Because the Lord, the, the, the presence of this world didn't know. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The significance of the physical death of Jesus is that it makes the scriptures true. He was supposed to suffer physically and die. Hallelujah. So that resurrection will be possible according to the scriptures. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Paul outlines what makes up the scriptures. He says that how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, according to the Old Testament, or according to the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Hallelujah. It, it, it's important for us to note this point. Very, very important. He died physically. Without it, there is no resurrection. I know there are opposing theories. The apologists would, would, would testify. There are opposing theories, such as the swoon theory, which says that Jesus somehow didn't die. He survived crucifixion. Some most um, opposing theories such like the Muslim narrative where they say that the face of Jesus was changed into another person. So instead of the Son of God dying, another person died in his place. Those are opposing theories which are theories of devils. But we know and we believe that the Son of God had to suffer and die for our sins. The swing theory is most ridiculous imagine a savior who has been sent by god to come and save the world having survived crucifixion 
for three days, even though it is medically proven it is not possible to have suffered crucifixion. He appears on Sunday morning claiming resurrection. You know, if you fall from two floors down and break your spine in some places, it will take you more than a year in therapy before you, you, you recover fully and even begin to use the functions of your legs and your, on your arms. Jesus Christ's surviving crucifixion will be like to survive a fall from a 16-story building. It would have taken him an awful lot, more than three, three days to be walking around. Hallelujah. The soon theory is, is not important. It, it is not true. The man had to die. The man had to suffer and die. As much as it is a physical event, it is also a, it's also much a spiritual event. The death of Jesus was spiritual too. I realized that, like I said from the beginning, the sentence that was upon Adam, the sentence that was upon Adam was a spiritual sentence. It started from a spirit. For Jesus to undo the verdict on Adam's generation and Adam's whole ancestry, he had to also die spiritually. I believe that in die you shall die. It is Jesus that went through the full length of that sentence. So much so that the Son of God had to cry out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The nature of Adam's transgression demanded that Jesus had to die spiritually too. He entered into the very realm of death in order to conquer it. In Isaiah chapter 53 verse 9, In Isaiah chapter 53 verse 9, we all know Isaiah 53 talks about the sufferings of the sufferings of the of, of the of the servant of God. It's a chapter that is titled the, the Suffering Servant. In Isaiah chapter 53, we see Jesus. The prophecies concerning Jesus. Bible says that Isaiah 53 verse 9 and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he hath done no violence neither was any deceit in his mouth when you read the scripture in the Hebrew in the original dialect you realize that and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death the word death there is plural because he hath done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. It is the same chapter that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading and Philip chanced upon him. And he asked the question, understandest what thou readest? And the Ethiopian eunuch replied that, how shall he understand unless somebody explained the verse to him? And the Bible says that he began at the same verse and preached unto him Jesus. It is the same thing I'm doing. We must look into the scripture and preach unto you Jesus. Hallelujah. Now he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. The death there is plural. In Hebrew writing, they ascribe plural verbs to singular nouns as an expression of intensity. It's like double dying. The, his death that he died was so grave, was so deep, deeper than just physical death, such that a, a singular um, verb or a singular noun will not be enough to capture the very depths of the kind of death he had to, he had to die. 
You know, Jesus Christ was dying a death that he was never supposed to resurrect. He was, he was going to bury that which never was to rise again. He was defeating sin, he was defeating death, he was going to the very realm of death and conquering them over them in it. And so the Son of God was not supposed to resurrect. The, death, the kind of death he died was so deep. And so his death was also very much spiritual. It is very much spiritual. It was very, very, very much spiritual. Now, he died because, number one, the counsel of God willed it. We've explained already. Isaiah chapter 3 verse 10. Bible says that, Yet it pleased the Lord to grease him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. God made the, the soul of Christ an offering for sin. He made him an offering for sin. Jesus said that, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. So that, right, sacrifices and offerings, thou would not, a body has that prepared me, O Lord. I come in the volumes of the books to do thy will, O God. The death that he died was so serious that the Son of God had to cry out that if it be your will, Lord, let this pass from me. Let this cup pass by me. Let this cup pass by me. He knew the kind of death he was going to die. It was deep. It was serious. But it was determined by the Father. Now, the second point is that the Spirit's testimony in the Scriptures, Luke 24, 25, and 44, talks about how the, the Spirit testified of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that was to follow. The Spirit testified of it. The Father willed it. The Spirit testified of it. And lastly, the willingness and obedience of the Son. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 7. He by himself pegged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty. He by himself pegged our sins and sat down at the right hand of majesty. He was made an offering. The Father willed it. The Spirit testified of it, and the Son obeyed. That is the divine economy. That is the divine, the triumph God. In trying to, you see, we, we see the triumph God also active in redemption. When we read a scripture like 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, he said, Elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctification of the Spirit, unto the obedience and sprinkling of, of the blood of Jesus. Grace be to you, and peace be multiplied. The triumph God is manifest here. When Jesus was being baptized, the Father spoke, the Spirit came down, and the Son was baptized. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit was all functioning in the redemptive purpose. The Son of God had to die in order to fulfill that purpose of God. Hallelujah. Now, the significance of his death, we've talked about the nature of his death. We want to talk about the significance of his death. Realize that somebody would ask, why did Jesus have to die? Why didn't God Say, oh, I have forgiven all of your sins. Adam, I have forgiven you. You sinned, but I have forgiven you. I have restored you back to the original plan. It doesn't work that way. Beloved, it doesn't work that way. God had to go through his own protocols. Now, when we talk about the death of Jesus, we must be careful to separate the two. We have the blood of Jesus, what it did in the redemptive purpose. And we have the cross, which is his actual death, what it also did. Let me run through quickly. The blood of Jesus cleansed us from sins. It washed us from our sins. Revelation chapter 1, verse 6 says that unto him that loved us and washed us in his own blood. 
and made us kings and priests unto God that we may reign on the earth. Um, 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 If you walk in the light, as seen in the light. There is fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If you confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, when you read the book of Romans carefully, you realize that from, from chapter 2 all the way to chapter 5, there is a mention of sin, singular, and there is a mention of sins, plural. Sin, singular, is a noun. Sins, plural, are verbs. The sin, so for by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The sin that talks about the embodiment of the Adamic nature, the very regulatory principle, the roots, the nature, the, the, the very embodiment of sin. That is the nature. But then sins, as in plural, talks about the actions, the various actions that we do. The various actions that we do, fornication, theft, murder, envy, strife, jealousy, divisions, and all that. Those are sins. You see, God was faced with a two-way problem. He had to pay a debt of sin. He had to pay the wages of sin. You see, the wages of sin is death. Why does he call it wages? It was because sin has become sin, which is the, the nature, has become our master. Sin has the Lord had been dethroned from the tables or the from the throne of our heart, and sin was enthroned as the new ruler. So when you work out sin. His payment was death. He was paying human beings with death. The wages of sin was now death. As you work for sin, he gives you death. God was faced with a two-way problem. He had to find a way to pay the debt of our sins. We had a debt. All our sins had piled up to heaven. And the blood of Jesus cleansed that. But then he also had to stop us from sinning. He also had to deliver us from the power of sin. So he had to pay us to pay our debt of sin and he had to deliver us from the power of sinning. And so the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins and then the cross deals with the sinner. The blood deals with the sins. The cross deals with the sinner. So a scripture like Romans chapter 6 verse 6, the Bible says that knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed so that we shall no longer serve sin. The actual death of Christ is what disabled the power of sin in our lives. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 6 verse 3. He had already asked that diatribe, How shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. How shall we who are dead in sin continue to live any longer therein? Then he asked the question, know ye not, that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. You see, by the cross we are identified with Christ. By the resurrection, Christ enters into us as the life-giving spirit. By the cross, in the redemptive purpose, we enter into Christ by his, by our co-union with him in death. By the resurrection, he enters into us as the life-giving spirit to fulfill the creative purpose. By the death of Christ, we enter into Christ by our co-union with him in death. 
Bible said that we are buried with him by baptism into death. That is the redemptive purpose. But by the resurrection, Christ enters into us as the life-giving spirit. Where he dispenses his life into us. Bible says that not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercies he has saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So the death of Christ has is very, very important. So the significance of his death, the first one is that the Lord delivered, did they, delivered us from sinning by the cross and paid the death of our sins by his blood. Hallelujah. The blood, um, the death of Jesus also established God's throne. You know, Satan asked God a question that man that you so loved, you so loved that you gave yourself for, that you, you created in your image. He has sinned like I did in times past. You cast me out of heaven. Now the object of your love has sinned. What are you going to do? A scripture in Psalms says that the foundations of the throne of God is righteousness and justice. So that righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightning lies on the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord. Found- the foundations of God's throne is founded on righteousness and justice. The day God becomes unjust or the day God, be- God becomes unrighteous, that is the end of God. The thanks be to God, it is not in his nature to sin. So Satan asked God a question that how are you going to save this man? You must punish him as you punished me. Satan had no idea that God was going to come himself. Because God had to find a way of punishing and removing sin from the sin, from his object of love. And also how to find a way to save man. God is just, but he's also love. And there's perfect balance between the two. By his justice, the demands of justice must be met. Man has sinned. Man has committed high treason. And the demand of justice was that the soul that sins must die. But then his love requirement was that he loved man. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God had to, f- to find a way of saving his object of love and still find a way of punishing and removing sin from the sin of action. And then he came himself. Satan had no idea that God would come himself. Satan had no clue that the Son of God would come and die and resurrect, freeing man eternally from sin and still finding a way to punish sin. So Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says that there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. The righteousness of the law was fulfilled in us because Christ died. When we were sold under sin, when we are when we were carnal, sold under sin, says that. For I delight after the law of God in my inward man, but I found another law warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into subjection. Therefore, I cannot do the things I do, I want to do. In Romans chapter 7 verse 15, the whole Romans chapter 7 talks about the man under the law, the man under the wretchedness, under the treachery and the tyranny of sin. It says that, for that which I would, I would not, and for that which I would not, I would. The things I do not want to do, I do. 
and the things I do, the things I want to do, I cannot do them. And the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing them. Paul said that, then if I do what I don't want to do, and if I do not do what I want to do, then it is not me, but there is a law. There is a law working in my members, warring against the law of my mind. Because the law is holy and righteous and good, but I am carnal, sold and sin. He was describing the wretchedness of the man that has deviated from the creative purpose of God. Thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God for Christ. Thanks be unto God for Jesus. Thanks be unto God for Jesus that he came and he disarmed the powers of darkness. Bible said that who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love. You see, Paul was describing the law of sin and death. You see, death is the lowest estate of man. When you are dead, you are useless. Death is the lowest estate. It is the highest form of weakness. When you are dead, you are weak. Paul said that, I die daily. He was talking about positive death, where he is so weak that he doesn't conflict with the will of God. So God can find true expression through him. But then there is that negative death, where the law of death is operative in your members. So you know what is good, but you are too weak to do it. And you remember I said that, Sin is a master. That is the law of sin. It will make you do. It will force you to do what you never want to do. So sin will call you, hey, come and steal. You steal. Hey, come and fornicate. You fornicate. You try and fight it with your will. You try and fight it. Oh, I will not do it again. You find yourself doing it again. That is the nature of the natural man. That is the man that has fallen. Sin will rule you to the point that you shout out, who shall save me from this body of death? See, so the law of sin and death was reigning. And then Christ came. said that I thank my God through Jesus Christ. So there is therefore now no condemnation because Christ has come to bring another law that is greater than the law of sin and death. It is like the law of gravity or the law of gravitational force and the law of aerodynamics. Previously when Isaac Newton discovered the law of gravity, we all thought that nothing ever could fly because the law of gravity will pull everything back to the to the center of the earth to the attraction the attraction of the of, of the earth pulled everything close to its center but a, a higher law was introduced the law of aerodynamics now planes can fly it can defy the law of gravity that is exactly the same way jesus did so that for the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus all this jesus did was that he made his statement known. He made his, his mission statement known that I am come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. For the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. He did it so that we may have eternal life. All that he did was to send us back to the original plan. Hallelujah. Now, the cross also satisfies, satisfied God's demand of justice, like I've explained. It satisfied God's righteous requirement. When he made his soul an offering for sin, God was satisfied. The heavenly courts were satisfied. So when he, when he died and he resurrected, he presented himself in the true tabernacle in the heavenlies. And God was satisfied. You remember that in the Old Testament, when the priest offers the blood, the, the day of atonement, he enters the most holy place. Where there are no windows, there are no, there is no need of the sun, of the moon, or the stars, for the light of God shineth in there. 
the Shekinah glory was the light thereof. And they would they attached bells to his to his garment, to the tip of his garment, so that as he is ministering in the in the in the tabernacle of presence, they will know that he is alive. Because if the blood is not accepted, he will die, and all Israel will be doomed. So the fact that he went on to minister in the in the holy of holies be 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 in front of the mercy seat, presented the blood in front of the mercy seat, between in between the two cherubims, and saw the glory of God. When they realized that there is a sound still coming from the most holy place or within the tabernacle, they know that mm, the sacrifice has been accepted. When Jesus Christ was erected, and he he presented himself in the holies of holies, in the true tabernacle of God, in the heavenlies, Bible says that. He obtained eternal redemption for us. In Hebrews chapter, let me check Hebrews chapter 10. Good, Hebrews, sorry, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11. But Christ, being, being come an high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of ghosts and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Hallelujah. He obtained eternal redemption when he presented his blood. The demand of justice was, sacri- was satisfied. And so we were freed from the law of sin. Amen. Now, the cross also represents the great universal negative. Or the great universal divide you know there's one thing that stands between all of history it splits history into two that is the cross you see anything that proceeds out of the natural man is unacceptable before god anything that proceeds out of adam cannot be useful to god anything that comes of the old creation is not useful therefore if anyone being christ he is a new creation all things are passed away why because we have passed through the cross we have died with him. We have been resurrected with him. We have been born anew unto God. So God, in trying to send us back to the original plan of drinking into his waters, he concluded everything in Adam and terminated it. He terminated the old creation in Adam in order that out of Christ, he would, he would germinate a new creation. He would purify a new creation. Nothing of Adam survives the cross. Only one thing survived the cross, the eternal life of God. When eternal life passed through the cross, it became the resurrection life. Now the resurrection life could be communicated to the heart of men, so that we may live the newness of life. Even so, Jesus was raised by the glory of the Father, that we may live the newness of life. Hallelujah. So whatever you are doing in the ministry, and this is very important for ministry, you see, God will always send us back to the cross. Because it is the purifier, it is a sanctifying power, it is that which circumcises our hearts. God doesn't seek to make you stronger and stronger. He seeks to make your flesh weaker and weaker by sending you trips upon trips back to the cross. He will crucify you and crucify you and crucify you till there is nothing of Adam left in you. Jesus Christ could stand and say that the prince of the world cometh but had nothing in me. He said that we don't have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, 
but him being the son of god was tempted in all points yet without sin so he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses the cross represents that power you know the cross imposes death a death sentence on everything that is of the old creation and christ having survived the cross through the resurrection brought us a new thing a new order of things that pertains to the spirit of god a new order of things he raised a new order of things he raised a new order of things he raised a new order of ministry to the lord you cannot do ministry by the old creation no no i'm sorry you must do it by the cross you must do it by the resurrection life hallelujah all that is of adam is under a case you see what god seeks to do in you is that at salvation he saves you from sin and he pays your sins the debt of your sins he paid the debt i did not he did not owe i owed that debt i could not pay he paid it with his blood once he has saved you from sin he goes a little further and wants to save you from the well it is still by the cross Paul said that it is by the cross of Christ that I am crucified unto the world, and the world is crucified unto me. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And this life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, when God has saved you from, the, from sin, and the power of sin, the deliverance from sinning, by that is the salvation aspect. He saves you from the world, from Egypt, so that even though you've passed through the Red Sea, your heart will not turn back to Egypt. That you will long for their pomegranates, that you will long for their almond trees, that you will long for their fishes, their bread. Some of us, we come out of the world into Christ and we miss how we miss the world. How that if we were in the world, probably we will have access to some, some cash, we will have access to some few things that we used to do that we didn't care whether it pleased God or not. We had our freedom, so to speak. A fake freedom, of course. God seeks to save us from the world. And lastly, He wishes to save us from self, all by the action of the cross. When He saves us from the, from the flesh, saves us from the world, saves us from sin, then we can have the mature life of the apostles. That is where our, the life of God has wielded enough economy in our hearts. That is where the life of God has traveled from the chambers of our hearts, all through the chambers of our soul, and has reflected, manifested in our body. So that I bear the marks of the Lord Jesus so that his power, his life will be manifested in me. Paul understood these things and he talked in that sense. Hallelujah. Only the resurrection, only resurrection survives the cross. Only resurrection survives the cross. Now let's talk about the resurrection quickly, then I'll end. The nature of the resurrection Is that Jesus Christ resurrected bodily? I've already talked about how resurrection is important. You see, in in working back to the create resurrection that actually brought us back to the creative aspect, the creative purpose of God. The redemption was in the death. Now, when Jesus Christ died, the creative purpose was fulfilled. It is out of the resurrection that 
the life of God was communicated to the hearts of men. Let's continue. You would, you would, you would understand what I'm trying to say. Now, the nature of the resurrection of Christ was that number one, it is a historical event. The death of Christ is also a historical event. Now, the resurrection is a historical event, a very physical event that happened. I remember I read from one um, biblical archaeologist, and he said that if there, if there is an unbiased court, there can be as much evidence for the resurrection of Christ on par with the evidence that were amassed when Osama Bin Laden bombed World Trade Center on September 11, 2001. That's what he said. He said that the level of evidence available for the resurrection of Christ is so compelling that it's on par, or probably even more, than the evidence we can gather concerning Osama Bin Laden and the bombing of the World Trade Center. It is a very much historical event. It's also a physical event. He resurrected bodily. He could be seen. He ate after resurrection. He was touched. He had with an occupied space after resurrection. He was not. He was not having a surreal body, a corporeal body. No, a non-corporeal body. He 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 had a physical body, and he was moving about. In First Corinthians, chapter fifteen, verse one, it is important for us to know this that if he resurrected spiritually then he wouldn't he shouldn't have made those promises that on the third day he would he would resurrect because there would be no way to know it what if he never was seen and the apostles began to write that he resurrected so he resurrected bodily so as a proof of the old testament scriptures that on the third day he rose again Bible says that in Acts chapter 1, he showed himself alive. He said that Acts chapter 1, verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He was he was he was he was much a physical person. He was physical. Now, all that Jesus did in the resurrection was also prophesied in the Psalms, Psalms 22, verse 1 downwards. He said that, For thou will not leave my soul in hell, nor suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Peter quoted this when he was preaching in Acts chapter 20, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 2, verse 22 downwards. Speaking of the resurrection, he said that, Thou art my son, today have I begotten you. He quoted from Psalm, I think Psalm 2 or Psalm 4, one of them. The resurrection of, was prophesied in the Old Testament. Jesus himself gave a prophetic scripture to back his resurrection when he met the disciples in Luke chapter 24 verse 44 he said that this was what I told you when I was with you that all that is written in Moses that is the law in the prophets and in the Psalms should come to pass that Christ must suffer and enter into his glory my dear beloved the glory is that Christ entered oh my goodness I wish you 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 you'd come to me to an understanding of that it's so marvelous it's so glorious Bible said that, and he entered into his glory. Who for the joy that was set before him? What was that joy? We'll come to that very soon. I'll end very soon and we'll explain that very, very soon. So the resurrection of Christ was, was physical. It is a historical event. 
and it's also also according to the scriptures that is the nature of his resurrection he gave us the story and the sign the sign of jonah he said that no sign shall be shown to this generation except the sign of jonah the prophet jonah for as jonah was in the belly of the fish or as, or was in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights so shall the son of man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights and we know that the heart of the earth that he spoke of was hades said that for that will not leave my soul in hell nor suffer your holy one to see corruption his body was preserved because there was no guile found in him jesus overcame death he he resurrected because of his perfect sinlessness death had no hold over him death could not hold him captive because he was sinless he was he was a perfect man he was that man that fulfilled god's dream he was that man that god is after he is that man that god's heart is after he is the perfect man he is the complete son of god he is that man child see in the bible there is an old man which is adam mingled with sin there's the new man that is the human spirit mingled with the divine life of god and the man child which is in the book of revelations and then the perfect man which is christ in Ephesians. christ embodies the perfect man he's the perfect he's the man that has reached the pattern that God set. He is the true image of Christ of, of God. He is the Christ is the true image of God. And by his resurrection, he communicated this to all men. Hallelujah. Now the significance of the resurrection. The, the resurrection is the foundation of our acceptance and justification. Bible says in Romans chapter 4, verse 25 that for he was delivered for our offenses and was raised for our justification. If Christ had not resurrected, our sins will not have been forgiven because we wouldn't know that we were forgiven. The fact that he resurrected was proof that the demands of justice were met. I put it this way that if Christ had not resurrected, God would have been satisfied, but there would have been no benefit towards man. God would have been okay because he would see the blood and turn away. As in the Passover, Jesus is our true Passover. He is our true exodus out of sin into life, out of the realm of death into the realm of life. At the realm of darkness into the into the realm of light. He's our true exodus. He's our true exodus. But it wouldn't have been possible. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said that why do people say there is no resurrection of the dead? Why do people say there is no resurrection of the dead? Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain? And your faith also is in vain? Yea, and we have found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised up not. If so be that the dead riseth not. For if the dead riseth not, then is Christ not raised. 17. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. He are still in your sins. He was raised for our justification. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says that for he was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. For without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, he was raised for our justification. When he, when, he, when he presented his blood 
in Hebrews chapter 9, 11 and 12, in the holies of holies, like in the Old Testament, you see, the sound was made because the high priest must be known to be alive. Even himself and for the sins of the whole congregation, had his sacrifices accepted, never rejected. How much more the eternal Son of God, who lived to make intercession for us, he is our high priest. He entered the true tabernacle in the heavens. And when his sacrifice was accepted, oh my God, on the day of Pentecost, a sound was heard from heaven. And there came a mighty rushing wind to declare that the high priest has seated. Bible said that when he offered, he sat down. In the Old Testament, there were no chairs in the temple because their ministry couldn't end. Because there was always a remembrance of sin every year. They were standing ministry. But Christ, when he had offered once for himself through the eternal spirit, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty. Because his, the sacrifice was eternally efficacious. It was eternal in duration. Eternal in time. Eternal, eternal in, in power. No, no sin can ever exhaust the riches of God's grace. The riches of God's grace that has been expressed in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And he brought us back to the creative purpose of God where we drink of him as life for his expression hallelujah now the second feature of the significance of the resurrection is that to impart life salvation is not only to save us from sin but to deliver unto us the gift of eternal life jesus himself said that as a corn of feet fall to the ground and dies it abides alone but if he died, he bringeth forth much fruit. He was speaking of the joy that was set before him. The glory of God that was to be revealed after, after his death. And that, that glory was that he was bringing many sons into glory. Hallelujah. He, was, he, he entered into us as the life-giving spirit at the resurrection. So that now eternal life could be given to everyone that confessed with the amount of the Lord Jesus. This is the word of faith which we preach. He said that, what's, what? What saith it? The word of faith which we preach. What saith it? That the word is near thee, even in thy mouth. The word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in thy mouth, in thy heart, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Hallelujah. The, 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 the resurrection of, of Christ is what brought us into sonship. Where we go back to the creative purpose of God. We became sons. Sons who are on the way to maturity. Who bear the mark of God. Who bear the image of Christ. The Bible says that for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 says that according as he has chosen us, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundations of the world. That is before time. The eternal purpose of God. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That we receive the adoption of sons. He has predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. We became sons of God because of the resurrection. Peter says that in First Peter chapter one verse three, "Blessed be the God and Father." who according to his abundant mercies has begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. 
when Jesus resurrected, he became the first born from the dead. He was the first to be raised out of spiritual death. That he will communicate his life and his spirit to all men. In, and became becoming the preeminent one, the forerunner, the, the leader who leads us into all things, into the truth of God, into the very realms of God. He became the one that ushered us into the purposes of God by his resurrection. So the redemptive purpose came to send us back to the original plan by making us sons and daughters of God. Hallelujah. He fulfilled the desire of God by bringing many sons unto God. He said that he is not ashamed to call us brethren. The son who occupies the position of the heir of all creation, he sent us back to God. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. He didn't end there. He gave us life, the eternal life of God. He said that, First John chapter 5, let me read the last scripture and then we'll end. And then we'll continue later in the last session. First John chapter 5 verse 10. Bible says that, He that believeth of, on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not on God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not on the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Hallelujah. He brought us life. So that I write these things. These things have I written to you. These things have I written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that he might know that you have eternal life. Not that you will have, but you have eternal life. That you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Bible says that in John 17, 3, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. We have eternal life now. It is that which conforms to the image of his Son. The eternal life makes us children of God. It makes us part of the grand scheme. God is looking for a body of his expression. He will have his life. He will have a corporate body for his expression. It is the life of God that brings us into the kingdom of God. If you are not an animal, how, why count yourself as part of the animal kingdom? You must have the kingdom life to be a part of this kingdom. It is the life of God in our hearts. The pulsating life of God in our hearts that makes us part of his kingdom. When Christ comes, he is not going to get the number of people that has attended church in their lives. He is only going to take stock of the people that has his life in their hearts. For the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which came to us. The Spirit is the Spirit of life. Bible says that for the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Hallelujah. It is the Spirit of life. The Spirit is the Spirit of life. We have been made alive. We have been born unto God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I would want to end here and um, continue. I've done. Well, um, as we as we bring a finality to this session, the church is God's instrument of expression. I will explain that tomorrow. How the church becomes an instrument of expression. How the life is to be manifested in our in our members, and how we have become. Um, the, the vessel through which God's dominion will be extended to the kingdoms of the world, into the whole realm of creation. I, I hope that you have been blessed.
and I, I apologize for the earlier um, network glitch. I, I'm, I'm sure that in the, in the morning we will rectify some of these things. If you have questions, you can put them down, that in the end we would attend to some of these things. May God bless you so much. Myself, I've been blessed by these truths that I've shared with you. They are not, they are only repetitions of the scriptural truths that we Wow, wow, wow. May God wow. bless you so much. Somebody in church. <clears throat> you know you have been blessed, say I've been blessed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, if you are blessed, somebody talk to me, say I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. Yeah, we thank God for, for such administration. He has taken us through series of things that um, some of the things may appear so hard for us, some of us. Yeah. But um, we thank God for the light. Hallelujah. Don't worry. At the end of the day, you are going to understand. <laughs> I want you to. These are messages that you have to keep listening to. Like, it's not a one-time thing. You download, you go back, you brood over it and all that, and you get the, the, the content of what he's going to do. Now, we know that man is a very special person, and you don't want to just fix certain things. You know that the devil is interested in you. God is also interested in you. He said man is a cosmic being, very central to the purpose that God wants to accomplish. At the same time, he's also important to the operations of the devil. So the question now is, who is controlling you? Look at your neighbor and ask your neighbor, who is controlling you? Who are you obeying? Are you obeying God? Are you obeying the devil? Whoever you obey becomes your Lord. If Christ has become our Lord, we need to obey. If Christ has become our Lord, we need to obey. So who are you obeying? That's the question for tonight. God willing, this dawn we are continuing. We are continuing this dawn. Um, 4, 4 a.m. GMT. And, and we are trusting God for the move of the Spirit. Then from there, we proceed hallelujah uh, we'll try our best at the end of the day and take questions also so if there's anything you don't understand try and prompt us and it shall be answered god bless you so much for coming this evening as elia said we really apologize for the initial network issues and i know you've forgiven us you are forgiving us for say i'm forgiving you yeah god bless you so much for forgiving us and all that we are hoping that we know that this dawn is going to be power. Get ready, sleep early. Let the Lord show us the grace and let's meet this dawn at 4 a.m. GMT. Um, it will be 12 midnight at US and the other time zones that we have. So prepare yourself, let's meet and let God be glorified in us. God bless you so much for coming. God bless you, man of God, for blessing our lives. And God bless you all for staying true. It restores of the frustrations. May the Lord bless you and keep you in Jesus' name. See you at God's eternal purpose, part three. This done. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lastly, my name is Mr. Douglas Okonekufu, and I love you so much. Bye-bye.